The views, ideas, and content of Wellseekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Wellseekers. Hey, it's Lucia, and welcome to Wellseekers, a show about changing and inspiring lives through game-changing conversations, stories, and solutions to form a better relationship with yourself and others in simple and real-life ways. Live life more happy, more healthy, and more well. Life is tough enough, and you don't have to do it alone. So join the Seekerhood right now here on Wellseekers. Hello, and welcome to Wellseekers. So glad you guys have joined us today. I'm Lucia, here with my podcast producer, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Are you nervous for today's show? (laughs) The only reason I asked you that is because we're talking about anxiety and fear and going back to school and how to deal with it if you have kids, which Kelly does have kids. And a lot of our listeners do have kids heading back to school. Some people in the Midwest and the South, they're probably already back in school and have been for a few weeks. But there are a lot of kids, big and small, into adolescence that struggle with anxiety and fear headed back to school. And we're going to be talking about that today. I thought the interesting thing about this when I was doing some research on it was that there's fears that happen to a lot of kids right before you go back to school Sometimes kids get nervous. They want to know who are my teachers? What are my teachers like? Am I going to get good grades? These are just typical things that kids ask questions about. I know that those were more my concerns. Who will I have lunch with? That was my biggest. Are we going to have, am I going to have the same lunch as my friends? Um, Will I get lost? I never really had that fear. But in larger schools, a lot of kids, some of your kids may have that fear. Will I fit in? So those are typical fears that, that teens and even, you know, younger kids will face when they're going to school. But there's something called social anxiety disorder, which is a social phobia. And really, it's just this excessive self-consciousness that goes beyond just the normal questions and normal shyness that kids have. So there's two things that can go on when kids go back to school. And we're going to talk a little bit about both of those today with our guest, Kelly McAdams, who's a licensed clinical, licensed independent clinical social worker. She's going to talk about some simple and real life ways that we can dive into helping our kids if they're experiencing some of those phobias, but also some of those just typical fears that we just went over as well. Kelly, I know that you have you have a five-year-old. Yes, my son is starting kindergarten this year. My daughter's going into second grade. Have they experienced in the past any of those more typical questions that I know I experienced when I was a child? I think that my daughter, she was a little bit more concerned about going into kindergarten. My son isn't having the same experience because his sister is sort of guiding him. And just his personality is more laid back. Yeah. And that could be one of the things too, right? Because some of the things that Kelly's probably going to talk about and we'll cover at the end if she hasn't talked about it is some of the things that you can do with your kids is go through the school and bring them around to make them feel more comfortable and more calm. This is where you're going to eat lunch. This is your teacher's classroom, just to calm the nerves a little bit. And I know watching my nephews as well, my sister has three And the younger ones are ready to go to school because they know what school is. They know where the school is. They know who their teacher is going to be. And even growing up, I was the fourth. So for me, I was like dying to get out the door. In fact, I started school at four because my parents were like, stop asking us. And you're (laughs) a genius. (laughs) So it was like, it was easy because I knew the school. I knew all the teachers. All the teachers knew me. I'm sure it's like that for for Michael as well, a little bit? I think it will be. I know from my experience, my sister is six years older. 
and we moved. So it was all new when I got there. And I was really scared. I had a lot of anxiety when I was little about it. I think moving, that's also on the list. Of course, there's going to be some typical anxiety that comes with moving, not knowing the town, not knowing the school. There's a lot of programs when when I moved. I went from a private school to a public school. They had almost like a welcome committee with kids that were in my grade and they met the new kids beforehand and they took us around the school. And so your first day of school, there was a face to identify with that you wouldn't just be completely, you know, left alone. We also did sports. There's lots of ways to introduce your kids to the atmosphere and to the environment and a lot of other things that you can do to help um, calm their anxiety. But we just want you to know that it's totally normal. A lot of parents are going through this right now. I know that all of my siblings have gone through it. I'm, my mom have, has gone through it. I've gone through it. If you're listening and you have kids, you've probably gone through it. Kelly's gone through it. You're not in, the, <laughs> she said, yes, you're not in this alone. There's definitely a way to help your kids ease into going back to school and to feel less anxious. And we're going to be right back with our guest, Kelly McAdams, to help us find some of those ways in just a second here on Well Seekers. You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. We're already friends, so let's make it official. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Well Seekers. Kelly McAdams, licensed independent clinical social worker. Thanks so much for joining us today on Well Seekers. Thank you, Uchi. I'm happy to be here. So, Kelly, in our intro, we were talking about some of the different anxieties that kids may face going back to school. So I'll let you break down the different anxieties that parents may see in their kids so that they can identify them more and know what is actually going on. I can imagine as a parent, Kelly, you're a parent too. Kelly, my podcast, I'm going to have to actually identify you both. (laughs) Kelly P. (laughs) Kelly M. (laughs) is a parent as well. And how old's Malachi now? He's 15. Oh, my gosh. I've known (laughs) Kelly's son since he was a baby. And now he's like a man, Kelly. He is. So I'm sure as a parent, you can speak to that, too. But what are some of the common anxieties that parents may see in their kids as they head back to school? Well, sometimes when we look at anxiety, it's very easy to identify. And we can see the child feeling nervous about a test or um, something going on at school. And then other times, anxiety in the classroom can look something uh, look, look like something else uh, entirely. You know, having a stomach or there are some disruptive behaviors or they're angry. We need to keep in mind some of the other issues that may be going on, like ADHD or learning disorders. So there are different types of anxiety. Different ones are separation anxiety social anxiety, generalized anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and then very specific phobias. So could you just give us a breakdown or synopsis of what each of those are and then maybe some of the characteristics as a parent we could look out for in our kids? Sure, definitely. So separation anxiety is one of those kind of self-explanatory ones where kids have a really hard time being dropped off at school. And I used to see that a lot when our son started daycare. And he was not one of those kids. He would just kind of wave and say, see you later, mom. But I would see these other kids that would just cling on to their parents and the tears and the screaming and the crying. That's really about the separation from their caregivers. And it was really heartbreaking to watch. And, you know, my own experience, I was kind of thankful that my child was not um, in that um, arena because I can imagine just as a parent, it would be very, very difficult. 
Um, and then there's social anxiety. Kelly, could I just ask you about separation really quick? I have a friend that's going through this with her daughter in daycare, and she constantly asks, what did I do that makes it like mm-hmm. this? Is it something that is conditional that a parent, I don't want to say participated in, but something that they can help? Or is it something that just happens sometimes? That's not an easy answer. I think it can be a little bit of both. And okay. sometimes um, we're hardwired for anxiety, but then sometimes as parents, there are things that we do to either contribute or to help soothe. So it's not as straightforward as, as one or the other, unfortunately. Perfect. We'll have you back to talk about parents. So then there's social anxiety where um, children are very, very self-conscious and it makes them, it makes it really difficult for them to participate in class or socialize with their peers. And then there's generalized anxiety where, where children just tend to worry about a, a variety of everyday things. Particularly, some children will end up focusing on their school performance or they can struggle with perfectionism. And then there's obsessive compulsive disorder where children's minds are filled with unwanted and and very stressful thoughts. They have a very hard time managing them to alleviate their anxiety. Sometimes there are compulsive rituals that will be exhibited by counting or washing their hands repeatedly, and it begins to disrupt their day. And there's, you know, just like anything, there's a lower end, and then there's a higher end of things happening for people. And then there are specific phobias, where children or adults can be afraid of specific animals or, you know, maybe like thunderstorms. So what are the most common ones of those that you could see in a child going back to school? Is there more like social anxiety? Is that more prevalent? I know that when I was doing some research, it said that there's really not very much data around how many kids experience um, anxiety. They said their best estimate was one in eight kids will experience anxiety going back to school or in school at some point. Is there something, one of those that more generally kids experience at this time of year? Well, I didn't see any specific data about each type of uh, anxiety, but if I were to just look at my experience in working in schools and, and having a private practice, I would say probably a little bit higher in the generalized anxiety and social anxiety. And, and again, it's just a guess. And I think as our children are so influenced by the media, I think that we're starting to see a rise in anxiety. And I actually found a statistic from the National Institute of Mental Health that says one in five American teens right now are, are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. One in five teens. One in five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having a media background, I obviously know a little bit about that. And one of my interests is social media and mental health. And it is devastating. And they do believe that a Mm -hmm. lot of anxiety is linked to social media. Help us, Kelly. Maybe someone listening is like, oh, my goodness, I think or maybe they know my child has a generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety or one of the things that you talked about. What are some ways we can help our kids as they head back to school? Uh, the goal isn't necessarily to eliminate the anxiety, but to help your child manage it and to help them to be able to move through and to work through the stressors that trigger them. Because sometimes you can't necessarily remove the triggers. So helping them to be able to work through it and be able to better manage it. Help out with some of the anxiety is making sure that your child is well rested, getting a good night's sleep. Some of those basic things that we need to do is 
and grow and eat well, helping them to stay connected with their family and friends, to get outside, spend time in nature. Um, anxiety in teens is shown to be much worse indoors and helping them to be able to turn off, to shut off the computers and televisions, get outside, go to the park, go for a walk, um, go to the beach. Helping to stay in a state of gratitude and focusing on the positive. Uh, one of the things that we do in our family is every night at dinner, and that's another thing, is to try and have dinner as a family. Um, but every night at dinner, we each share three things that we're grateful for that happen throughout our day and maybe going into the next day. I love that. Yeah. It's really fun and it's a great way for us to start our dinners. I really love that. And at the end of this, we're all going to say three things we're grateful for. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other thing that I am hugely gone into is practicing mindfulness and teaching our children to do that as well. And, and one of the questions that I've been asked pretty frequently is how early can we begin teaching them this? And How early? And after you answer that, I'm curious what you actually can teach them depending on the age range for mindfulness. Um, I think it can be early as between three and five. And when we look at child's cognitive abilities, no, they're not really understanding what's going on. But when we look at mindfulness, we're talking about being in the present moment. So how can we help a three-year-old do that? Well, how can you? Because I have a three-year-old nephew and I think he would throw his stuffed animal and his Legos at me if I was like, let's sit and meditate. Right. (laughs) He'd be like, no. But it's not adult meditation, right? So if you, does he like, have you ever blown bubbles with him? Yes. And that's actually one of my favorite mindfulness techniques is blowing bubbles. I have a bubble kit. Yes, Kelly, thank you for reminding us. Yeah, so, you know, breathing, right? A lot of the mindfulness is breathing and staying connected to our bodies. You know, a three-year-old or five-year-old is not going to understand this, but, you know, can you blow bubbles with them? Can you, you know, blow up a balloon and then let all the air out of the balloon? So they're beginning to do those techniques. Sometimes you can lay on the ground and do some, you know, belly breathing, and they can watch their stomach go up and down. So there's one of the things that at an early age we can begin to do. There's a lot of, you know, materials out there and stories about mindfulness. And we used to read those before he would go to bed, and they're just short stories. He would pick one of them out, and it's just a short passage. It's a guided, it's, it's a guided meditation for kids. You know, as parents, you know, what do we do as parents and being able to role model for our children how to manage anxieties and sometimes in doing, helping our kids, we're really doing it for ourselves. Wow. First of all, that was amazing. Lots of great, great suggestions there. Would you send us some of your favorite books? Because I'd love to include that in a blog write-up so that everyone listening could just, you know, check out some of your favorite books for mindfulness techniques for kids. Yes. Yes, I will send those to you. Okay, we'll try and get some suggestions. Kelly Parada, <laughs> not Kelly McAdams, <laughs> was saying that there's also a lot of good YouTube videos. Yes. They do something with hot cocoa. Do you want to tell us about it, Kelly? My husband has the kids pretend that they're sniffing hot cocoa, so they take a deep breath in, and then it's too hot to drink, so they have to blow on it to cool it down. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, so they they sniff it 
as they if breathe it's hot, it in. They breathe in hot cocoa and they blow and out. And they blow on it to, to cool, cool it down. down. Do they get hot cocoa at the end of it? Because that's all I would be focused on. If Not I was with me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, in addition to those YouTube videos, there's a lot of different apps that kids can use as well that have guided meditations and different things available too. How do you feel about that? At night, because I know that when I've shown my nephew's <laughs> videos at night, if I just feel like it's so counterintuitive because as soon as they see the screen, it's like all, you know, dopamine right. fires and it's like they're not going to uh-huh. bed anytime soon. So, right. I would agree with you on the videos with um, our son. I, well, I listen a lot to guided meditation. And so he has those same apps on his phone. And like we said, he's 15 now. And I have to say, just a couple months ago, he said, Mom, could you read me one of the one of the stories? And I said, absolutely. And then we have a very strict rule about no phone in his room at, um, after bedtime. But we do allow him to use it for meditation because he said he likes to either listen to um, some meditation music or listen to a guided meditation before he goes to bed. What about social media and online. Obviously, we're living in a new world. Kids today have such a different landscape. Are there any techniques around social media or tips that you could pass on to parents, like taking the phone, you know, two hours before bedtime or different things like that or not or monitoring things that may decrease their anxiety pertaining to social media related activities? One of the things that we do know is that you know, there's such a, um, you know, positive or negative reinforcement with social media. You know, how many likes do I have or how many people responded to me? And that can trigger somebody's anxiety about not feeling a part of, or you see a picture of everybody at a party and you're not there. So um, I think there's a lot of benefits to social media, but I think there's a lot of negative aspects and we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg right now with that. Absolutely. Cause the generation that was raised on it is just being able to be researched, mm-hmm. right? The data is just coming right. in. We need to have you back to talk about that because I think it is such a different world and these techniques are all incredible, but you can't ignore the fact that social media is such a big part of this and could add to it in such a detrimental way. Are there any other things that you could suggest or solutions for parents? All What I love about these two is that these are really simple. And that's really what we're all about here is making it simple and accessible. These are things that, that everyone can do with their kids. Well, I think the last thing that I, that I want to add is that if at any point you are noticing or feeling like you need professional help um, with your child to make sure that you reach out to your primary care physician or you seek a mental health counselor that can support either you and, and or your child or, or together to be able to address the anxiety if it begins to impact their you know, normal functioning, daily functioning. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be in that degree, but if you just feel like they need their own space to be able to talk about what's going on, um, there's a lot less social stigma around that than there ever used to be. Such wise and great advice. Um, Kelly, one more question for you. What are some signs and symptoms we would be looking for as parents to start seeking professional help? Um, it would definitely be, you know, not going to school. Um, a lot of, if you're hearing about a lot of frequent trips to the nurse um, at school, if there's a lot of 
you know, physical sign, you know, headaches and nausea, stomach aches. Sometimes that can be related to anxiety. It can also be related just to some health issues. Maybe some difficulty in academics. So you want to be able to to filter out is there a potential learning disorder or is this anxiety? So a professional can help you to figure that out. Avoiding social situations. So once you start to see repeated patterns and it starts to impact uh, what you would view as the normal daily functioning, that would be a time to reach out for some support, for some additional support. Either you know you can find resources at the school or again through the primary care physician. Yeah, I think it's so important too to highlight that it, if you do need support, you're not alone. The like Kelly no. said, one in five kids will experience it. I read one in eight will have at least some sort of anxiety around school in their lifetime. So there's a lot of parents out there in the same position and there's help out there for you. So definitely reach out if you, if you need it. Yes. My last thing is that of, you know, critical importance. And I hope that this goes without saying, but if your child ever expresses any suicidal ideation or any self-harming behaviors to absolutely get professional help. It's not something that should be managed um, within your family. It should be something that's addressed through you know, a physician or through a, a mental health professional. It really sounds like, Kelly, what I've heard today is self-care techniques, mindfulness, eating well, getting sleep, exercising, all of those things, modeling them and then passing them on to your kids. And those are things that help reduce anxiety, talking about it, social support, letting them know that you're there to talk to and seeking out other parents as support. Does that pretty much sum it up? Did I do it? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. What is that thing? If our own house is in an order, we can't. We can't help anybody else out. So much great stuff in there. Kelly McAdams, licensed independent clinical social worker. Thanks so much for joining us. And we brought up a lot of other topics, so we'll have to have you back soon. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I would love to come back. Kelly, thank you so much. And we'll be right back on Well Seekers. Like this podcast? There's lots more where this came from. Find more shows at wellseekers.com. We want you to join the conversation. Email us at hello at wellseekers.com. And we're back on Wellseekers. Before we wrap up and before we let Kelly McAdams go, we were not mindful and we were not in the moment because we would have remembered that we were going to do our three gratitudes. So um, (laughs) before we start, I want everyone out there to join in with us. Think of three things you're grateful for. And we would love to hear from you. So email us at hello at wellseekers.com or you can comment below on this show or on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want to do. We want to know what you're grateful for too. Kelly Parada, you want to start? I am so grateful for my beautiful, healthy, happy little beans. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be a part of this experience. Um, I'm so grateful for the friendships and the relationships that I have in my life. Those are great. Kelly McAdams. Thank you. I am grateful for a beautiful early morning run before the heat and humidity started to the beach and back. That was great. I'm grateful for having an opportunity to be on Mall Seekers. And I am grateful for the relationship that I have with my husband and my son. We haven't even talked about Kelly's husband, who is amazing. (laughs) He can come on sometime. Fun fact, I sang at Kelly's wedding. I wrote a song for them. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. Yes. That was, I'm grateful for that too. Okay. Don't lose sight of the, the three things you're grateful okay. for. Okay. Yeah. We have to let you go. Um, I am grateful for, I truly am grateful for each of you, Kelly McAdams, for your friendship over so long. You've just been a great friend mm-hmm. for so many mm-hmm. years. And I just know that it's deep and real. So thank you for being a part of my life. And Kelly, I know that we're newer friends. No, but seriously, thank you for being here. And you're such a support and a cheerleader for Well Seekers. So thank you for that and your friendship. And I'm grateful for whoever is listening, that you're listening, and everyone that's a part of Well Seekers, honestly, that's not here tonight or today as well. And then I'm also grateful for hope, just the general hope that wherever you are, it's going to stay that way and be this good again, or you're going to get through it and there's something on the other side. So just the fact that hope exists, I'm grateful for that. Love that. I really like the gratitude thing. I just want to say, though, if you are a parent out there and you have a child that is struggling, like Kelly said, there are resources out there. And if you have just, I know we touched upon this a little, but if your child maybe doesn't fall into the actual anxiety disorder and is just a little bit nervous about school, some things to try, if at all possible, try and get your child's schedule ahead of time so that you can walk them through what to expect. So this is going to be your teacher and this is going to be your classroom. I know we mentioned this before, but you can call the school sometimes ahead of time and walk them through the school building, allow them to see their classroom. You can even mock like first you're going to go here and then you're going to go here. Um, If the school offers an orientation program, call your school and see if you could sign up for that. Um, It's another great idea to try to get them acclimated to the school and get a sense of what to expect so it's not overwhelming. And then like Kelly said, a lot of those basic strategies, whether they have an actual anxiety disorder or they're just experiencing some, you know, generalized, well, generalized anxiety is one of the things she talks about, but plenty of rest, exercise, and all of the basics to help reduce stress. Kelly McAdams, thanks so much again for joining us. From all of us here at Well Seekers, we are so honored that you chose to listen to our show today and that you're part of the Well Seekers family. And let's just take 15 seconds and I want you to think of someone you love and someone that loves you and three things you're grateful for. From all of us here at Well Seekers, thanks for joining us. And if you have any questions, make sure you email us at hello at wellseekers.com and make sure to subscribe to our show. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon on Well Seekers. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Check out more videos, blogs, and podcasts at wellseekers.com.